Hello, colleagues, and welcome to the Assistant Principal Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Frederick Buskey. We are all on a leadership journey. Every day, we have a chance to grow. Every day, we have a chance to help others grow. My goal and the goal of this podcast is to help you grow into being a strategic leader, a leader who puts people before purpose, who solves problems instead of treating symptoms, and who understands the difference between progress and action. Through this podcast, my daily email and virtual programs, I'm working to build a network of inspired and inspiring school leaders. Let's get started on today's adventure and this unique opportunity to learn to live and lead better. Surprise! Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure there's a common thread connecting this week's daily emails. If there is, I think it does have something to do with surprises, but let's end any suspense and dig right in. Today's episode of Five for Friday recaps the strategic leadership emails for the week of March 13th through 17th, 2023. Remember, if you don't get my daily strategic leader emails, you can subscribe by heading over to my website at frederickbuskey.com and you will be greeted with a friendly pop-up subscription link. Last Friday, you heard me talk about waterfalls and some things that were inspired by Pam and I's recent 65-mile hike in the Smoky Mountains, and a couple of the emails this week are also inspired by that same trip. On Monday, I talked about our day four hike, in which we had to hike out of our camp and up to Klingman's Dome, which is the highest point in the Great Smoky Mountain Park. We had a, almost 3,500 miles, or almost 3,500 feet of elevation gain. And that is a really, really big elevation gain. And most of that was in the first four miles of the hike when we went from our base camp up to Klingman's Dome. And it, it was challenging, but by day four, you're getting your trail legs and we felt pretty good. And the scenery was just fantastic. So we actually made it to Klingman's Dome in pretty good shape. The challenge was the second half of the hike, which was eight miles to our next campsite. And we got done with Klingman's Dome around 1.30 and thought we were in pretty good shape because in looking at the map, the trail was a, gen a gentle, gradual downhill. We had no incline. So we figured that we can make pretty good time, maybe 30, we, I think we budgeted 30 minutes a mile. So we were getting out about 1.30, we had eight miles to go. We figured we could get into camp at 4.30 or 5, and that would leave plenty of time after a long day to kind of relax and get settled in. But our hike did not go as anticipated. About a third of the way through, we hit a long three quarters of a mile patch of trail that was pretty much just underwater. And so we, we had to step from stone to stone and just slowly pick our way through this long section of trail, trying to keep our feet dry. After we got through that, we found ourselves on a very narrow trail. A lot of the trail had started to slide down the hill and we had about nine to 12 inches and a pretty steep drop off on our right side. And 
To make matters worse, the trail was covered with leaves, and under those leaves were a lot of roots and rocks. So what we thought was going to be a really gentle, easy, strided out walk downhill turned out to be extremely treacherous and really took a toll on us. You know, when your feet are hitting rocks and tripping on roots and you're trying to stay focused on the trail, uh, it, it got really grueling. And the eight hour hike took us, I don't know, maybe five and a half hours. It was really, really slow. So by the time we got into camp, we were exhausted. We were a little bit frustrated because we had thought that we were going to get in early and it was late and we had to throw up camp as quick as we could. We wound up eating dinner in the dark, which is really never that much fun. Uh, so it just, I guess what I'm trying to say is it wasn't what we expected. Things did not go as planned. And once we got done, I just wondered, why would I ever think things would go according to plan? Because they almost never do. I was in a school a few weeks ago and they were talking about an initiative that they were trying to do with the rest of the year. And, and we were talking like we had this length of time. Oh, we have 10 weeks. It's, we can do all this stuff. But the fact is, no, you don't have 10 weeks. You have a spring break and then you have a whole bunch of time that's going to get disrupted by testing. And then you know that some key person is going to be sick at some point. So when we look at a calendar, it looks like 10 weeks, but if we actually think about all of the things that, that are going to happen or that could happen or that could go wrong, then we realize that we probably should be planning to do something that we could do in four to six weeks, not in 10 weeks. So this is a really long-winded way of talking about the idea that we should not assume that things will go as planned because they never do. And I think it's healthy for us to have our big goals, but to actual, actually scale back the scope of implementation whenever possible and anticipate that there will be challenges and that things won't go as planned. And that makes it easier to adjust. And when we account for the unexpected, then we don't wind up eating meals in the dark like Pam and I had to do. On Tuesday, I wrote about rivulets. Okay, when was the last time you listened to a podcast, especially an education podcast that used the term rivulet? A, a rivulet is just a small stream. And this went back to what I talked about on waterfalls last Friday, that a waterfall is made, it comes from a stream or a creek going over the rocks, but that stream or creek is made up of lots of other little streams, lots of other rivulets. And the really amazing thing is that each of these little rivulets comes to the main body of water in a different way. It takes a different path, some slower, some longer. And when you're looking at the big stream, you have no idea what each little rivulet has to go through or what, what each stream of water has to go through to get to that bigger stream. And it makes me think about people. And when we engage in change initiatives, we can't really know the, the adventure, the life, the experiences that every person we're asking to change has gone through. And yet all of their experiences 
influence how they come to that change. So when we do change, really be mindful that everybody's journey along that change initiative is going to be different. And so again, focus on people first and then purpose. And when we do that, then we'll be able to meet people based on where their journey and experiences have taken them instead of put false expectations on what we think they should be able to do. On Wednesday, I took a quote from Tuesday's interview with Todd Whitaker. And if you didn't listen to that, please go back and listen. It was a great episode. Todd just has so many very simple kind of one line, three or four word sayings that just make you stop and go, oh yeah. And one of the ones that I've been thinking about the most was when he said that we should make our decisions based on our best people, not the people who are struggling the most. And I've just been thinking about this a lot. How many times do we make rules or make policy decisions based on the students that are causing us challenges or the teachers that are causing us challenges? And when we do that, what we're, what we're really doing is focusing on what's the problem? What are we trying to fix? But when we flip it and we go with making the decisions based on our best, best people, now we're, we're really saying, how can I help you? What can I do to make your work easier? And isn't that what we want to do? We want to make it easier for the best people to continue to do better work. Now, I didn't go into much more than that in the daily email, but I'm going to hear. If you remember the six dimensions of organizations where we have people, purpose, structures, and resources, one of the things that really dictates how we do our work are the structures in the organization. And remember that those structures can be physical structures, they can be codified structures like policies, and then they can be unofficial, informal structures in terms, in, in the form of rituals and expectations. And what I encountered as a teacher and what I see in a lot of schools is those, that those different forms of structures sometimes make it very difficult for the best teachers to do their best work. And I remember being a middle school teacher and feeling acutely the frustration of trying to teach in a way that was going against the way the system was structured. We wanted to do lots of creative things and have in-depth lessons that were hands-on, and yet we were working in the constraints of a 45-minute period. And a structure like that prevented a really high-performing middle school team from doing all of that really cool middle school stuff. So not only did we have to figure out how to do the things for our kids, but we had to figure out how to overcome those systems or structural barriers. And I think that's what Todd really points out when he talks about this quote about making decisions for your best people. When you look at how your organization is structured, how your schedules are structured, what your expectations are for people in terms of meetings and email and all of the rest of it, think about how you can make decisions that influence structures that make it easier for your best people to do their best work. On Wednesday, I revisited the idea of less is more. 
Last spring, Pam and I began a through hike of the Foothills Trail, which is a 77 mile trail. And we began it, but we didn't finish. And we faced multiple challenges, um, including weather. But the most consequential issue was that Pam started suffering really acute knee pain um, in early in the second day. And then later last year, she came down with plantar fasciitis and and I was having hip pain. And so physically, we just could not continue with, with the hike. In addition to being better about stretching and really paying attention to the kinds of uh, foot gear that we're wearing, we also worked hard to decrease the weight of our packs. And during last week's hike in the Smokies, we had no problems at all. Even on the days that we had steep climbs, we never felt like we were carrying huge amounts of weight and our hips and knees and feet held up really well. So our efforts to decrease pack weight have made a dramatic difference in our ability to do long hikes. But here's the thing, we really only cut a few pounds off our pack weights. Pam's base weight last year went from, was about 20 pounds and this time it was about 12. So it was only eight pounds, which doesn't sound like much, but that eight pounds made a huge difference. That eight pounds was the tipping point. And this idea of a full backpack or the weight that we carry always takes me back to what we're asking people to do in schools. The demands now are just huge and the conditions that teachers are working in and you school leaders are working in are more trying than they've ever been. And yet we just keep asking people to do more. We keep piling stuff into the backpack and there's not a big step between being able to manage and trudge up that hill and do the things you need to do versus being completely overwhelmed and breaking down and burning out. And so I just want to continue to advocate for teachers and to call on you as a school leader to be super critical of all that we're asking teachers to do and all that we're being asked to do ourselves and do everything you can to lighten that load. Because even getting rid of a few small things can make a really big difference for your teachers. And finally on Friday, I finished with surprise. I've been asking the question a lot of what surprised you and those of you that are familiar with the five minute coaching. Oh, and next Tuesday's episode is all about five minute coaching. Those of you that are familiar know that that is the second question in the sequence. When I do a five minute coaching session, the first question is what went well? The second is what surprise did anything surprise you? And the third is, would you do anything differently next time? But I've been asking this question of just sur surprise about what surprises people not in the context of five minute coaching, just in conversation. So when we were on the Appalachian trail, uh, met a couple of through hikers who were 200 miles into their 2000 mile journey. And I said, what's been your biggest surprise so far? In a recent social event, I was working with a, or I was hanging out with a new department head at a university program. And I asked him, what has been your biggest surprise? And when I was walking through classrooms with an assistant principal after we finished, I asked her, 
what was your biggest surprise? In each case, the person spent several seconds really reflecting before they answered the question. And that's why it's such a powerful question because it forces people to reflect. The, the question itself is a surprise because how often do people ask you what surprised you? And because it's a surprise, it causes us to go back and examine events from a different perspective. And that's where the magic happens. And asking what surprised you is so simple. It takes so little time. It's not a panacea, but it's good medicine. So I think that's what I'm going to leave you with on this episode of Five for Friday. Maybe as you move into your weekend, think about that question about asking people, what, what are the surprises when you're in a social setting, when you're hanging out with your family or friends or off doing something, maybe you're getting ready for spring break, pay attention to conversations you have and see if there's an opportunity to ask somebody, hey, what surprised you about this? And then watch them pause and watch them reflect and watch them process their experiences from a different perspective. Okay. Well, thank you for including me on your leadership journey. I look forward to seeing you again next Tuesday when we revisit 5-Minute Coaching. I'm so passionate about the topic that I was shocked to see that we hadn't done a podcast on it since episode 4. This Tuesday, I have two actual 5-Minute Coaching sessions that I'll break down on the podcast. So whether you're brand new to 5-Minute Coaching or a seasoned pro, I think you'll enjoy the episode. I'm Frederick Buskey, and thank you again for joining me on this episode of the Assistant Principal Podcast. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Cheers.